Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 35 of Swimming Upstream as we grind through the offseason and the unfortunate MLB lockout that doesn't show many signs of ending right now. Um, there isn't much to talk about from the standpoint of breaking news there. However, you guys know, Danny DeVivo and I, we can always talk about our Marlins prospects, and so can our two guests that we have on our show today. We're going to get to them. Uh, so for those of you who enjoy prospect talk and prospect rankings, you guys are in the right place. Uh, again, we will get to our awesome guests in a moment. But first, I got to bring back in uh, my partner through everything. He's been here for every episode, and he's the man. It's Danny DeVivo. So Danny, good to be back with you again, brother. Um, it's been a little while here between episodes, but uh, yeah, what's going on? How are we doing? Everything's good here, man. Everything's uh, awesome. I'm just honored to be in the uh, sharing mics with three uh, prospect gurus, legends. <laughs> um, so just happy to get here. I won't even say their names. I know you want to introduce them. <laughs> yeah, these are esteemed guests that we have today, and we're, we're privileged to have them. So as you guys know, though, Danny and I, we have our, our consensus top 100 prospects list. After moves that were made this offseason so far, it does need an update, and whenever we get to spring training, we will give you that update. But for this episode, we wanted to give you guys a slight glimpse into how that, that may work out and how we think could work out by giving you our, our top 30 guys right now. Uh, and we didn't want to just limit it to, to just me and Danny, right? So we brought in two of who we believe are the, the, some of the brightest minds in covering not only Marlins prospects, but minor leagues as a whole. Uh, to help us out with that. So uh, yeah, we want to get to these two guests because they are, they are awesome dudes. Uh, first off this guy, uh, one of our favorite brains to pick during spring training or during minor league season, whenever we see him out at games from prospects live, formerly uh, a contributor to our buddies over at fish stripes, MLB draft scout, talent evaluator, wealth of knowledge, just amazing dude. And for me, a fellow baseball card enthusiast, <laughs> Ian Smith. Ian, man, as always, it's awesome to talk to you, brother. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, I always value your opinions, your insight into Marlins prospects and prospects as a whole, as I said. So thanks so much for agreeing to come on with us. So what's up, man? What's going on? Hopefully you're, you're well-rested after your long day yesterday. <laughs> that was way too gracious for an intro, man. I mean, I can't, I don't even know what to say after that, but I appreciate it. I'm stoked to be here. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't be here yesterday, so I'm glad we can make this happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm stoked to talk Marlins prospects, especially with you three boys. Uh, I've talked with Spencer before about Marlins prospects uh, on multiple podcasts, so this is familiar for me. So I'm dropping names that aren't even announced yet, but yeah, look at that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to be here, guys. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, you're all good. I gotta ask though before we go on, any any new fire additions to that PC lately, or what's going on there? I've been I've been holding off. I mean, I bought I bought some Yuri some Yuri autos because he had it, this first first <laughs> one came out that's like decent. It's still like uh, non licensed, but it's a sick card. So I bought a couple of those. But other than that, I've been holding off. <laughs> Danny's got to get one of those. <laughs> there you go. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get Smith. Awesome dude. Excited to have him on. Uh, our second guest, uh, Ian, already kind of segued perfectly to him. Uh, mm -hmm. A current contributor to two different SB Nation sites, uh, Fish Stripes, our boys, Eli, and the boys over there, uh, which of course covers our Marlins, and Crawfish Boxes, who covers his hometown. Yes, this is a man who lives in Houston, Texas, who is oh. one of the most well-versed minds in, in Marlins prospect coverage and prospect coverage as a whole. He also runs his own website called Diamond Dreams, which works to report on MLB draft prospects. Absolute surplus of knowledge. Another amazing prospect evaluator. Uh, admire this guy's work very much. Pleasure to welcome him on. Uh, haven't met him in person 
or at all before today, but we got, I guess we got to get to meet him in some, some regard here today, right? Virtually, right? So uh, Spencer Morris, man, Spencer, um, like I said, your work, I've followed it closely. I'm sure Daniel has as well. Ian has already said so. Uh, we're privileged to have you on. Uh, welcome into the show. Uh, what's going on in, in Houston? Uh, are you guys over or is the city over that uh, that World Series yet or what's going on? Well, uh, I live in Austin right now, but we're not. Um, still very painful. I'd imagine it'll continue to be probably until I die. Um, but that's okay. That's why we all watch baseball. Um, very, uh, very happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Of course, definitely privileged to have you. All right, guys, so here's how it's going to work. Uh, we're going to go one by one down each of our lists and give the name we have at each spot in each of our top 30 lists. We've all prepared one for you guys. Uh, and we'll see how they stack up. We'll discuss any um, any glaring differences, any um, any uh, dis any disagreements we have. We're, we're going to get to all of it here in this uh, in this hour. So I'm excited for this. So if you guys are all ready, let's, let's do it. All right. So I'm going to start ready. with you, Ian. Uh, you guys put out on Prospects Live. You guys put out your your top Marlins prospects today, I believe. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to you first because I, I loved your list. I think it's I think it's great, uh, and you had a, a, a big hand in that. So I'm gonna go to you first. The number one overall prospect in the Miami Marlins minor league system, according to Ian Smith, is Yuri Perez. <laughs> Absolutely, I'll say it every day. I mean, I think. I think there's some variants. I think anywhere with the one through four guys, you could call any one of those guys number one right now in the system, um, depending on how you feel. But from what I saw in 2021 year, he's my number one guy for me in the system. The upside is just too substantial. What we saw with three pitches and a six, eight frame from an 18 year old and low A and then high A was just something you just don't see ever really. So uh, what we saw out of Yuri was just, was special for me. And I saw him as much as I possibly could in 2021. And it, it's paid dividends. I think he's, became one of the biggest pop-up prospects in the country this past year. Um, he's been on number one on multiple boards. It's not just us and prospects live. I believe he's number one at baseball America as well. So he's the guy right now. Um, I think there's really the sky's the limit. I mean, you look at guys like Edward Cabrera when he was 18 years old and it's just a different dude. Um, the, the polish that Erie shows from something we, somebody we didn't even know what, what we're to expect coming into this year. And then he came out and showed up what he did. So that's my guy, number one, but I'm up for debate with my number one guy, but, I'm sticking with Gary right now. Yeah, man. I mean, we were there together. I mean, I was there with you um, in St. Lucie uh, opening day when he threw and we were just like, you know, even though it obviously wasn't his best start, his first outing, 18 year old kid, you know, <laughs> we were just, you, could just, at his... you could just tell, I mean, yeah. it was different. Like even the guy I was with that night, we had talked and he, he mentioned some reliever risk at me the first night, but I just like, I couldn't even listen to that from what I saw from, from this Barely 18-year-old throwing against a really good Fort St. Lucie lineup that had Pete Carl Armstrong, that had Francisco Alvarez. Like, he was up there facing great guys, and it just was – it was different for me. Like, yeah. I didn't see anybody like that last year at any level. You're not going to get a fight for me, man. I'll tell you right now. That's my guy. <laughs> I mean, I hate to go to you next, Danny, but I'm going to you next. Can you? I, I think I think you may disagree, but are you going to? Can you disagree with Ian Smith at his number one pick? I don't know if you can, but go ahead. Well, I'm not going to disagree with the fact that he said the first four guys could be the you know way, but you know, even though I'm I'm the Audi um, you know fanboy here. I'm going to go another way. I'm going to, it's going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to respect the ages and I'm going to respect the, um, the, the development, you know, so because he's closer 
to to MLB. Uh, he even started. Uh, he even pitched there last season. I'm going to go with Ed Ed Cabrera. Um, that guy's a monster, man. I mean, he's been with you know with Marlins for so long, and you have seen the growth year by year by year by year. And he's just nasty. Um, the fastball, slider, the changeup. Um, he's 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 just amazing. And um, when as he went to the upper levels last year, you could see the rust from not throwing any pitches in 2020 and missing the first part of 2021. You could see it, but you can also just project um, what that guy can be. And and to me. Um, he's, he's going to be the, the, the Trevor Rogers of 2022. So, so yeah, I'm going to go with, with that Cabrera here at number one. Yeah. Respectable pick. Um, I'll get to mine when, when I get there, but I'm going to go to Spencer next. Spencer, uh, you got your pick here. Um, yeah. If you're too great I'm, uh, already, but who's your guy? I'm the big mystery here. Nobody's seen my list. So I get to surprise everyone. It's great. Um, I sat down to I, the first draft of the list I did. I had Perez number one. Um, I ended up with uh, a different player at number one in the end, which uh, was Khalil Watson. I really don't have really any separation at the top of this list, particularly in the top three. I think it's you're really splitting hairs, but with Watson, if I have a pitcher and a hitter close, as close as I have President Watson, I'm just going to lean towards the hitter. It's just the way I am. And that's really just sort of how I broke the tie in the end. Um, I love Perez. I agree with, you know, all the superlatives that have been thrown out about him. I think he's unbelievably impressive. Um, but with Watson, I see the chance for impact with the hit tool. I see the chance for impact with power. And I think he fits up the middle long term. So he's checking all the big boxes. I'm just really excited that he's in this system. I never would have guessed that the Marlins had a chance to get him picking 16th. Um, and I think that that was every bit the coup that it was made out to be on draft day. So I ended up uh, slotting him in at the top spot. Wow. Incredible. Uh, I did not see that one coming. That's definitely could see it though. I mean, tools galore. Uh, you know, it, it's all there. I mean, this guy just needs time and he's got tons of it at, at what age 18. So yeah. Um, that swing pick. is just beautiful. His swing yeah. is quickness. I mean, it's just like, take a picture, man. It's yeah. Amazing. Super explosive player, you know, bad speed for days, hits the ball hard consistently. Uh, these are all things that I, that I like to see. So I'm a big Watson guy. Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, I, I you know, me personally, I, I got to agree with Danny. I, I have to give it to Eddie, you know, and I was very close to giving it to Perez. Um, it, it's close, but, you know, Perez has all the projectability in the world, but Eddie is, is right there on the brink of this. The, the thing with Eddie that I will say um, that I, that I, I mean, he has all the talent in the world. He's got the three pitches, as Danny said, he's got the velo, he's got the size. He has, has basically everything. What he needs is I, what I think is the IQ um, and maybe that's something you can't teach. Maybe hopefully it's something that they can. The fact that he was coming up to the major leagues and and not living off his explosive fastball and going more to change up, which I think is his third pitch. And I think you guys will agree with me that I didn't like. Um, I didn't like that he was living off of that. Um, you know, maybe that's just the pitch that he's working on and that's the pitch he needs to work on. But when you're making your major league debut and that's the pitcher throwing the most, I I don't really love that. Uh, I think he should have been pitching off of his strengths. And I think that's what he needs to get back to, to be really good. But I think he can. 
Um, I think he's very good. I think he can stick as a rotational piece. I know um, multiple websites have him as a future bullpen piece. I, I think he sticks as a rotation piece, and I think he's a staple. And I think he's really good if he can iron out that one issue. So, yeah, like I said, tools galore, three pitches, uh, velo size, everything. Uh, I love Eddie. I think he's going to be really good. And the kids of defense, I should say that um, you come up and you're not dictating what you're going to throw. Um, I'm not sure how much, you know, double A, triple A deferred to uh, MLB uh, and, and, and what he was throwing exactly. But you would think that, you know, if, if frigging uh, Sandy Leon is telling you to throw something, like you're not going to, you know, first, second, third start, you're not going to, you know, say no to that guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see better pitch selection as well for, for next season. All right. Agreed. Definitely. Uh, we'll go on. Uh, we'll go to number two. And if it's a guy that we've already talked about, which we're guessing is going to happen frequently here in this episode, but if it's a guy we've already talked about, uh, unless there's anything you guys want to add to what we've already said, um, we could be brief on these guys, but Ian back to you. Second best prospect in the Marlins organization. According to you next to Yuri Perez is who? Well, it would be Ever Cabrera for me. I think it came really close to me. I think, you can even put another guy in this in this bracket as well. Even another two guys. Um, one of those guys is not quite in that bracket for the for the top spot for me, but I believe Eddie's the second best prospect for me in this list. I don't want to go too much detail. You guys all three just really gave great points on Eddie. So definitely, uh, yeah, it came close for those two guys for me as well. But uh, Danny, go ahead, number two. It's Max Meyer. Max Meyer is my number two guy. Um, what that kid did first pro season at double a, you know, it's just, Hey, you were drafted 2020. You've never played a pro game, go to Pensacola and then, you know, do what, um, you know, show us what you've got. His, uh, I was a bit, let's not say disappointed, but I wanted to see a bit more from his fastball. Um, but that slider, dear God, man, that slider, if he can get that change up to work, and I think he can, I mean, he looks like a pitcher who can get his stuff together. Um, you know, I think he's going to be really, really good uh, starter as well. I mean, I know there's reliever risk, but that slider, I mean, could be one of the best in, in, in the game. Um, so Max Meyer is my, um, my number two, and I'm really excited to see what he can do in his second season as a professional, now that he knows how, how this works. Good pick. Definitely. Um, nothing but impressive from, from, from Max. And then he goes up to AAA at the end of the season and strikes out like 11 guys. Right. So <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, yeah, definitely could see it. As we've all said, like these, these top, I would say top five or at least top four are all like interchangeable. So uh, Spencer, go ahead. Uh, second best prospect for the Marlins for you. Yeah, as you'd probably guess, uh, being that I started with him at number one, number two, I had Perez. Uh, I don't really have a ton to add. He's got a ton of size, athletic, he's got velocity, extension, he can spin it. I just don't know what's missing. So I ended up with him at number two. And I agree with you uh, and, and Ian as well. I have Yuri Perez as number two. Um, I was very close to putting him number one as Ian did, but I had to go experience and just, just more that we've seen out of, out of Eddie, uh, you know, which you guys can understand just more polish, uh, you know, but this, this could definitely flip in the future because has Yuri's got it all. As you guys have said, size, spin, every pitch, 
Um, you know, it, I've said this to Daniel and you guys have probably heard me say this just like from the videos that he had when he was posting on Instagram, you know, in a spring training where he was, I really thought he was tipping his pitches a little bit by slowing down his release and slowing down his effort on his pitches. Clean that up tenfold from the start of opening day when me and Ian saw him in St. Lucie. So, so impressive. You just don't see it a lot as he, as Ian said to all of us, like you just do not see this out of an 18 year old kid. And it's, it's far too impressive to put out of my top three. So uh, yeah, I got I got Yuri number two. Um, lo and behold, Danny's got got Yuri the lowest of all of us. But hey, I guess he can't be too much too high on, on your guy, right? So uh, <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, all right, Ian, I go back to you. Uh, number three, I think I know who you're going to pick. But go ahead. But Max Meyer is my third my third uh, Marlins prospect. I think the changeup's a big thing for Max going forward. Uh, I think he's a starter long term. I think the body is a lot better than he was giving credit for when he was drafted. Um, he's really athletic. It's an athletic delivery. There's not a ton of effort in the velocity he creates. Um, I think he's going to hold up for a long term. Uh, I do think, like I, said, like I mentioned, I do think the changeup is the key to his development. If he could be the number one prospect in this system next year. He's going to be pitching in the majors by the end of next year anyway, um, whether it's in the bullpen to get him in, get him up or whether it's getting some spot starts. But I think Max is the real deal and definitely a top three prospect in the Marlins system. Danny, I'm think you have the same guy, but go ahead. Uh, it's it's Howdy. Yeah. Howdy yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's get him at three. Let's get him at three. Yeah, this top this top three, top three or four for the system is like I like I thought this stuff this was gonna go. We all were gonna be right around the same people, but I didn't think we we're gonna have really too much variance right. in these top four That's, guys. Um it's pretty, right. it's pretty Spencer uh Spencer, is it is it Max for you here? It's Max. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, Mike and I agree with you as well, Ian um, and and Spencer. Uh, it's Max for me here. Uh, my question would be, you know, you guys wrote about it today on your website about you know the changeups obviously lagging, and I, I agree with you, and I think that's the key to his development. My question for you is, you know, you guys probably saw him throw it when he was in college, and you know he didn't throw it a lot because he didn't really need it, and that's kind of furloughed here into the major leagues he hasn't really needed that pitch um so my question is can he dust that pitch off advantageously as he continues his growth and and do you think that that's a pitch that he can revive or is it something that he has to go back kind of to the drawing board with that's my question on that i don't think so at all um i think he's shown above average feel for this pitch multiple times in college his pitches looked like a plus pitch when when it's on so i don't think it's too far lacking behind and the development that the marlin system has had with changeups in the last three years is ridiculous so with his with his pitch iq and the way he has in the field for his pitches he already has i don't think it's gonna be too much to build on this pitch. Like you just mentioned, he hasn't had to use this pitch very much. It's plus fastball slider mix. So adding the changeup is not going to be too difficult. I feel like Max. Yeah. I, I think we can all agree with what Ian just said. Um, you know, he had the pitch. He just hasn't needed it. So he does it off in this system, man. I mean, as, as much of an animal as there already is, that's going to make him incredible. So yeah, uh, we'll go on. Uh, I think we all probably have the same exact guy at number four, but uh, I'll let you guys go ahead. Uh, well, maybe not. Daniel says no. All right. So, uh, Spencer, I'll go to you first, Spencer, on this one. Uh, who's number four? I should probably clarify before I say this, but we are ranking six, though, right? We are yeah, ranking six, though. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah, put, I, put, I, I put, I rank six, though. Yeah. I put yeah. six, though, at four. So that, that was my guy here. Um, just to get into it a little bit, uh, obviously, there's some big question marks here. And I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned about the injuries 
The physique is definitely weird for a starting pitcher. I don't think, you know, it rules out him staying in the rotation long term. Really, I think if he can stay healthy, I think that he will be in the rotation long term. And the reason why I ended up with him at four over the other uh, pitchers who I saw as kind of candidates there was I think he's the most fully realized. Um, I think his command is like pretty clearly ahead of these other guys. So I think that that gives him just a floor that is significantly higher um, in comparison. I think that, you know, obviously there's, there were still some things that we wanted him to work on, uh, like specifically with his secondaries, uh, when he was healthy. Now we're just kind of hoping he can get back on a mound. But I think that, um, in any scenario where he's able to stay healthy and log innings, he's at, at least a solid mid rotation arm. So I think that is pretty worthy of, you know, the, the top five ranking. Um, I don't have, you know, the, the best medical knowledge or anything like that. So I kind of have to do a little guesswork with players like this, but if I'm making the assumption that he comes back and pitches like 2020 at some point, uh, this is where I would put Danny, go ahead. Number four. It's six though. Yeah, no, it's absolutely six though. Um, this is a guy and I had a little debate this afternoon, Marlon's Twitter. Um, to me, he's a major league player, you know, if you're waiting for him, it's only for him to get healthy and get stretched out. I don't think like when he's good, you send him to AAA. I think he should have a spot and uh, in the MLB uh, rotation and lose it. Right. If, if, if he's out of there, it's because he loses it, but if he's healthy, he needs to have it. And it's just exactly what Spencer said. This guy is amazing. He's showing his hundred mile per hour fastball just could be one of the best. I said it for, for Max's slider, but I can say it for six though as well. His changeup could be one of the best changeups in baseball. Um, he has the command. He won't strike out 12 per, per nine, but he will walk like one or two per nine. So his K, his uh, K to to walk is always going to be high. Um, so he's yeah, he's just definitely a guy I love. Um, and I just couldn't I couldn't put him below fourth. Ian, is it six though? It's actually not 6-0 for me at 4. He's actually uh, at 5 for me, but um, at 4, I have Khalil Watson. Um, I think Watson was tough for me to, to even put at 4. I think I was I had a real debate internally with Max and, and Khalil, but I haven't seen Khalil live since uh, October of 20, 2020. So it's been a minute since I've seen him live. So getting him to see him in spring is going to really change my dynamic. But if he can continue to show the hit tool and the power projection, then Khalil is going to be a... a a top player in the system real, real soon. And seeing him and, and a guy we're going to talk about later, him and Ian Lewis and Jupiter this upcoming spring is going to be probably one of my greatest shorts I have in 2022. So I'm looking forward to that greatly. He should start it with the hammerheads, right? I'm assuming. I would or imagine he, 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 he showed out last year in FCL play. I think he was one of the only players um, at his age who, who walked when and struck out. That's really tough to do. At, at rookie ball because you're either getting a bunch of garbage or straight down the middle strikes. So clearly um, really showed that he has a little bit of patience and I know the kind of power uh, shout out to my guy, Tyler Jennings, who probably saw every one of Khalil's home runs his senior year because he lives right next to him in North Carolina. But I'm just ready to see that person myself all the time. And um, I'm excited to see Khalil in the system. We're, we were talking about this beforehand. Like I agree. I think Khalil should, should should move up. But we were talking about this beforehand with uh, with Akimar is joining the Marlins organization and whatever uh, role that he's going to fill, whatever his title is. I really hope that they move towards the um, the four team 
the four team approach in these, these lower levels being the DSL and the FCL, because how hard was it to get pitchers innings and then to get middle infielders with the Marlins have a surplus of these lower levels. How hard was it to get those guys playing time? And Khalil was a product of that. So, yeah, I think I agree with you guys that, that Khalil would move up to, um, to Jupiter. It's a pretty advanced bat. It's not like it's it's very lacking. The hit tool is the strongest tool right now in his whole arsenal. So I think it's somebody they're going to really try to, I mean, they've, they've been shown a history of, being aggressive with guys for the last few years. I mean, since went back to Connor Scott. I mean, so it's it's been every year. So I think they're going to show some some aggression with with Khalil, and he has the he has the want to be great, which you're seeing him from all these interviews. The kid just wants to be good. So I think they're going to really push him to be a good player in the system because they need it. They need an impact bat, and they need it in the system now. So I think Khalil can be that guy. Quick question for you, Ian. Do you have him at sure. short or second in the long term? Long term, I have him at second. I think we'll see yeah. him at short for a long for a few years, but I think the body is going to be more impactful at second base long term. He's going to be less, it'll be less stress on his body that can really grow and thrive there. Um, I think the arm can play at short. I think he's not so great laterally. I did, I, like I said, I haven't seen him make a ton of plays. He didn't play a ton of defense. He, he, nobody hit him the ball in high school. So he, he played in kind of a weaker conference. So he didn't really see a ton of great players against him but he makes all the plays uh, we haven't seen him look very bad defensively so he's a guy that will play it will stick in the middle long term but i think it's this is that baseman that's the profile for me yeah and i think i agree with that on on khalil um i gotta make it three or four and give and i was close to between this i almost gave it to khalil but i gotta give i gotta give uh four to six tell um you know he's still just highly regarded um everything that that danny and spencer said uh, changeup's nasty. I mean, he's proved it. He pitched in the playoffs. Like, you know, it, it, you look at stuff like that and you can't just be like, okay, well then just because of the work ethic, that's a nobody prospect. Like he's very good as long as he gets his head right. I think this kid is in his head way too much. I really hate his work ethic. I will say that uh, from everything that we've heard um, from people within the organization, from Craig, who's connected, Craig Mish, who's connected to the organization that they're not high on this guy. And that makes me not high on this guy because if the organization is not high on you and, and is, is doubting you, at least in some regard, then that's, I'm going to listen to that. So I have six toe at four because of this, um, not because I don't think he's good and doesn't have the talent, but because I think he needs to get out of his head. I think he needs to put in more work and I think he needs to dedicate himself fully to his career. And if he does that, as Danny said, he's got all the tools in the world. So yeah. I mean, re- really quickly there uh, with six toe. He's a, you know, he's a big boy. If, if his biggest issue, apart from that friggin' shoulder, is his work ethic, then, then I'm fine. Because he has an agent, right? He has his family. He needs to understand that there are pretty big monetary consequences to, to not doing what you're supposed to do. So someone will need to get in there, make sure he understands that, and he'll have to figure it out. Well, and I think he will. It stresses me out. It stresses me out. Why hasn't that happened yet? Right, you know, exactly. Like, That's my. Where has that been yet? Like, if, if this is my question for you, Danny, if he shows up to camp this this spring or whenever we get baseball back, out of shape again, are you going to give him a That's rotation a spot? You know, like yeah, is, yeah. Is, can you guarantee that guy who's been out of shape for two years and really just hasn't shown any want to be in shape a guaranteed rotation spot when you have a lot of young pitchers on this on this rotation yeah. that can can give you innings? Go, so going into his age twenty four season. Pitchers. Like you have it's to look tough. at that and, and think of it as a serious yeah. issue. Like no, I mean, if the tools in the world. If you don't yeah. No, listen. Yourself, if Sixo comes back um, out of shape, uh, you know, it's just worse tough. than he was in 2020. Of course, that's an issue. But I, the video that they put out, I 
I thought I saw him pretty well. I mean, I didn't see anything alarming. Um, but but yeah, no, of course, you know, that, that's that's pretty big. He needs to start showing what he can do and, and, and getting that attitude, um, you know, where it needs to be. <laughs> All right. right yeah, mindset. we. You just you haven't seen it from him since he's been in this organization. Like he, yeah, all exactly. the talent. Like we're, there's no way you can deny any of the talent, but he just needs to put it together. And if he does that, then this this conversation's pretty mute. But as of right now, we just gotta see it at a for a long longevity. <laughs> I think we're agreed on on him. Um, I want to see a different mental player, not physical player, because physically he's got it all. I want to see a different mindset next year out of Sixto Sanchez. Anyways, we go on. Um, I'll start at number five, and I have Ian's number four. I have Khalil. Um, I think Ian said it perfectly. Um, tools galore. Swing is awesome. I do agree that he will move to second base. I I, I mean, we didn't see him. I was in nine games or something in the FCL, so we didn't see a lot and literally no reports, almost no reports. So, you know, it, it's hard to judge, but just based off of his pedigree out of high school, um, that swing from the left side, you know, great athleticism. I really love Khalil. I think he's going to be very good. I will say one thing uh, about his about his mental mindset. Uh, this guy knows he's got it. He's got swagger. He's like jazz. He, he knows he has it. He knows he's good. And there's something to say for players like that. And knowing that they have it and knowing that they're good, but then what happens if they can't live up to it? Do they get outside of their head and start doubting themselves? That's kind of my worry with Khalil is that he's going to come up to Jupiter next year and Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium and maybe struggle to hit a little bit and maybe it'll get to him a little. I really hope not. I think he's mentally strong enough not to let that happen. But man, if if he can if he can get past that, know that he's going to struggle, know that baseball is is failure, then you're going to fail in baseball, which I think he will. Then I think he's going to be really really good. Um, so I just hope he doesn't let his early career go to his head. And if he doesn't, I think he's going to be very very good. So I think um, he might he might have one of the biggest chips on the shoulder to anybody in this draft class. I, I agree. Oh, yeah. I oh, think yeah. he thought he was going to be a top ten pick. Through like his, that that comment that comment I think you're like giving my money. Like, <laughs> so I think he's going to come out with with some fire um, and ready to ready to ball out because like like he he bought out in the FCL and and showed really well. He showed power. Um, yeah, for average, he stole bases. So I think it's a guy who just really, like you said, he knows he got it, but he also has that shift that's going to push him yeah. to be great mm-hmm. because right. he filled that he filled that spot for a reason, whether it was off the field, on the field, whatever it was. So he needs to prove that he's the type of player that should have went top five, and he needs to make all those teams that passed off on him. And that's what I think he'll do because he has that mindset. You saw it from the draft night; he was upset yeah. to be where he was, not to be, not to be that he right. fell in Miami, but just that he <laughs> fell. You know, it's just like an eighteen-year-old who doesn't think they're going to do that. And falls 15 spots or 10 spots, but I think he's a guy who's got a huge, huge upside. Gotcha. I agreed. Uh, Spencer, go ahead. I'm going to preface this one by saying that I, I know that I probably shouldn't be doing this, but uh, you know, it's one of those hard overhead picks that I just had to make. Number five, I had Jake Ader. Um, I just, I absolutely loved what he did in 2021. Probably the single most like surprise, impressively surprising pro debut in 2021. I thought um, this was a guy who was a really highly touted prep arm, you know, among the top arms in his prep class goes to Vanderbilt. Things didn't quite go according to plan there. Uh, he never really had great control. Uh, well, at least as an underclassman, he started to settle in a little more later on. Eventually he carves out, you know, that very significant late inning bullpen role that he thrived in. Um, but coming back uh, to starting with Miami, 
right from the very first start of the season, he came out with a delivery that had like a lot of new adjustments to it versus where we'd seen him at Vandy. All of those seem to work very positively. The command still needs to get a little bit better, but I saw such a good jump from 2020 to 2021 that I'm feeling pretty good that he can squeeze out that last tick he needs to stay in the rotation for sure. Um, he'll show you four pitches. I think they're all legit. The fastballs of a very high quality. He can really spin it. The changeup is there. I think that if he can, obviously, um, I have to mention too, he's having, he's had Tommy John surgery, so he's on the shelf. Um, but I'm going to be optimistic and assume that that doesn't have any super long-term effects on him. And I, I think this guy fits as a mid-rotation starter. Um, I'm a really big fan. I just feel really solid about everything. And I ended up uh, with him a little higher than I expected to coming in. Yeah, he'll be 24 um, when he comes back. So, you know, that's, that's definitely awesome to be optimistic about him. Danny, floor is yours, man. Stuff, number five. The stuff is so good. Yeah, he really is, man. Uh, my number five is Khalil. Khalil Watson. Not much to say, man. You guys, you guys got him. Uh, my number five is six. My number five is six, though, so we don't okay. really need yeah. to cover that anymore. But yeah, okay. I, I rank six to cool. top five as well. Uh, it was tough for me to rank six to top five. He was probably the most divisive prospect that I've ranked in this entire thirty. Um, I don't really know <laughs> where to put him, but the upside's there. Um, we just have to see him be, be a pitcher and be ready to pitch. So if he does that, then there's, there's just no that, one, no reason. That's kind of what I figured. I figured you would put six though there because. Where else are you going to put it? This is where I get, I think it's where it gets fun. From five to 10, I think it's really where it gets tricky. Um, yeah. Yep. Spencer, Spencer just started with Jake, but um, I think Jake's a top five, can be a top five prospect in the system for sure. So I think that was a fun pick. Um, but this is going to be fun now. This picks can get different. All right. So go ahead, Ian, man. Let's, let's go. Number six. Do it. Six, I guess, would be pretty easy. So my number six would be JJ Bleday. Um, I think there's still upside there. I think what he showed in the AFL was was nice. Um, he's facing garbage pitching in the AFL. He, he balled out. He showed really well. Um, he had a very awful season in AA. We all saw that. Um, there was there was some flashes of upside. He played a really good defensive year. I will say that. He was awesome at all three outfield positions this year for Pensacola, which is very, I mean, valuable going forward for his career. If he doesn't hit, he can carve out a, a career as a defensive defensive outfield. It's tough to say that about J.J. Boudet right now, but I still think the upside is there. I still think he's a, a, fit, a 50 uh, grade player at worst um, going forward. I think he's in a hit for average. I think last year could have been a fluke, but um, we just have to, we have to see what happens going forward. He still could be a, a number one guy in the system. The bat's real. Uh, it was real at Vanderbilt. It was real It was real when he first showed up in, in, my, in the minors. So I think he's a guy who just needs a balance back here, and he can do it. Um, the swing is doesn't need to be tinkered with anymore. He probably sw changed his swing 10 times last year in Pensacola, which was just outrageous. Like from what we saw a year and a half ago to what we saw last year, which is a tremendous change and it just wasn't working. And he was in his head a lot. He seemed to quiet it down when he got to the AFL, but it's a guy who just really needs to bounce back. There's a lot of guys in the system who need to show something in 2022, but I think the number one guy is the day over a six though, even for me. Yeah. Agreed. Um, uh, we'll go on. Uh, Spencer, go ahead. Number six. Number six, I have Edward Cabrera. Um, for the most part, I, I I mostly agree with consensus. I definitely love all of his stuff. I think it's all super high octane, you know, swing and miss type of, of raw stuff. But I'm a little more worried about the fastball command uh, than other people seem to me. I think that if you made me 
predict whether he's a starter or a reliever long-term, I would have to lean a little more towards reliever. And that was why I ended up with him behind uh, the other pitchers that I already ranked. But if he can find that, you know, that last step forward with his location, he could, the stuff is good enough for him to be, you know, you could even talk about number two starter. So I don't want to discount the upside with him at all, but I do tend to be a, a harsh grader when it comes to guys that I see as having a lot of reliever risk. So that was what had him in six. Respectable. Well, yeah, there's definitely risk. I mean, baseball America in 2025 had him as a closer. So you could definitely <laughs> be right if he doesn't, if he doesn't figure his stuff out, but uh, yeah. Uh, good ranking there. Uh, Danny, go ahead. Six. Uh, JJ Blade number six. <clears throat> I'm still a, a Blade believer, a believer. Um, he's, a he's a guy I've always liked. I mean, everybody knows he struggled 2021. Um, but you just hear him talk, you, you see him adjust and it's just a guy I do see thriving. You know, he has the tools, but they're there. Um, um, not just with the bat, but with, with the you know, fielding side of ball of the ball. Um, his arm is crazy. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, people love to talk crap about, you know, the um, Arizona Fall League and how everybody hit, but he was a top five hitter there. So he still hit better than everybody else in that league. And there was, there was a ton of competition there. So again, it's, it's, not, um, it's, it's not an amazing, uh, you know, form of judgment here, but it's also not Mickey Mouse. So yeah, I would love to see what's going to happen with him 2022. I do think he's going to make his debut and, and we'll see, but yeah, he's my number six. Yeah. And I'm aligned. Uh, I have JJ Blade, uh, at number six for all of the reasons that you and, and Ian said, um, I really thought he started to like really figure it out. And as Ian said, he was like tinkering with this swing, like all year long, so many different stances, so many different swings, so, so much different hand placement, so much different elbow placement. Like his upper body was, you can go month to month to month and see a different, a different JJ Blade swing basically every month. So I really thought he started to figure it out late in the season and that, kind of permeated into the AFL. Obviously, as you guys said, you know, the AFL was what it was and is what it is. But um to be a top hitter, that's that says something against against these highly regarded prospects. So I really like JJ. Um obviously it was it was a big jump for him, you know, after a short 2019 and missed 2020. And of course going into double A baseball in 2021, it's a big jump. And we can talk about other guys on our list that I'm sure we'll get to that are that are those same guys that made that jump that did what they did. But I like JJ too many tools to deny really good um, can play all three outfield positions is learning center field. Um, I have no doubts about him. I mean, I know a lot of people have doubts about him, but I, I really think there is major league upside in JJ Blade tenfold. So JJ Blade number six for me. Definitely. Dude, Spencer, Spencer scares me when, when he says that a player is lower than everybody else thinks. I remember he was like a, a Monte non-believer. I think well, he was right. Like, he was kind of yeah, right. I, f- <laughs> I feel, I feel like he was, everybody had him like top three, top four. Yeah. And I feel like Spencer had him like eight, 10. And I was like, why Spencer? Why? Well, and you're, I'm you're like, remembering one of the ones I got, right. They're there. You're, you're, you're leaving out all the ones where I've been horribly wrong, which I appreciate, but. <laughs> all right, let's go on. Uh, we'll go to seven. I can go first on seven. Cause I love this kid and I can talk about him for ages. My number seven is Jose Salas. Um, Jose Salas 
just incredible. I mean, this guy is 18 years old, makes it up, killed it in the FCL. You guys know the stats there. Absolutely killed it. Makes it up to Jupiter. And I think he did pretty, pretty, pretty decently for that level at his age. I mean, you know, not as maybe not on the same scale as Yuri Paris, but you know, still pretty good for an 18 year old kid that came up and, and did what he did against that level at his age. So man, everything that you want, he's got power hit and run a little bit. Fielding's good. Uh, eventually I will say that, you know, I think he moves off of shortstop and goes to third base because his power fits befits third base to me. I think he looks like a third baseman. I think he has the glove to fit third base. I think he has the arm to fit it. Um, I think he's probably better as, you know, going one way rather than two in terms of the field. So I, I really like Jose Salas though. I think this is legitimate power potential, legitimate average potential swing and miss isn't too, too bad. And I think it will definitely improve as he grows up from age 18. So I love Jose Salas. This is one of my favorite prospects in the organization. So Jose Salas is seven for me. Uh, I'll go to you next, Spencer, number seven. Number seven, I had Jose Salas, um, who I also, uh, like you said, I mean, the hit and the power, I think both play. They both have the potential to be above average. I think he sticks on the infield. I would give him a puncher's chance at short. I think he could play third. I think he could play second. Um, a lot of where he ends up long-term could have to do with just how the organization shakes out, um, how some of his you know, teammates fare uh, down the road. But I'm a really big fan of you know, the way he swings the bat. I think that um, there's potential for him to be you know, kind of that top of the order to heart of the order threat while giving like returning defensive value. So those guys are always going to rank highly uh, anytime I'm making a list. Uh, Danny, go ahead. Peyton Burdick. First time we hear the name today. <laughs> Have Peyton Burdick at number seven. Um, that guy, he's he's just he's an athlete. Um, to, I'm a really big WRC plus guy, um, and the two seasons he's had, uh, 2019 and 2021, 173 and 130. Um, he's just a guy who just screams power um he can run he can field and and uh, age scares me a bit the caper nine scares me a bit that's true or not the caper nine sorry the, the k percentage but man everything else is just uh, and he keeps getting better his uh pitch recognition is also amazing um i had i had him i really wanted him to uh, make his MLB debut last season. I didn't see any point keeping him in the minors, maybe just September, see what he could do. Um, but I'm really excited about him. Um, he's not higher because of his age. Um, but, but yeah, he's, he's my number seven. I'm interested to hear Ian's pick here because me and him have stood next to each other and salivated over Peyton Burdick. Um, so I'm interested to see if he goes with Burdick or Salas or somebody else. So go ahead, Ian. But um, I think he, I think he's got potential to be a plus hitter. Um, there, like I said, he maxed out at 110 on the AV last year in, in, in low A as an 18-year-old. I think the body's got plenty of room to add a ton of muscle. I think he's similar to somebody like Novelli Marte in, in the Mariner system of how he's going to develop physically. I think he's going to be probably 220 pounds at, 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 at his peak. I think he's going to be a third baseman of 100% as he grows up. I think right now we're going to see him as short. Next year should be pretty interesting in Jupiter with a lot of those guys 
needing to play needing to play middle infield, and I think we're going to see Jose get pushed to third sometimes. But he he ran a 75% contact rate last year in low A as an 18 year old. He's a switch hitter. There's just tons of polish on both sides of the plate. Uh, he grew up state size, so he's got a ton of coaching and 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 high level play playing against top top talent. So I think he's a guy who is going to be a, a fast mover in this system. He's going to be in low A again next year. We'll probably see him in high as an 18 or 19 year old next year. So he's a guy who can really shoot up in the system. Right. Jose Salas is, is just to confirm, I think we missed the first part of, of the end. So if audience didn't get it, it's Jose Salas. Yeah, it's Jose Salas. Absolutely. And a, and a fantastic pick. This guy, this guy's yeah. going to be really, really good. And like I said, one of my favorite guys in the entire organization, uh, we can go on. Uh, we can go to eight. Uh, Danny, you haven't gone first yet. Danny, go ahead. Let's see. My number eight is Jake Eater. Um, yeah, he's he's my number eight guy. Um, just killed it last season. Just as I said about Max, um, challenged considerably starting at double A. Everybody was surprised, and he just freaking dominated. Um, I was just so, so impressed by what he did. And you always saw the, the, the scouting reports coming in from Vanderbilt. It's like one day he was this amazing pitcher. And the other day is like, what happened? You know, where did that go? The Marlins, as they do, they just got that diamond in the rough, polished it. It took them like one instruct session to find out that this guy was the real deal and challenge him immediately. And he did not disappoint. So we're going to have to wait 2022, but he's going to be ready 2023, man. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And just to reciprocate it, I have the same guy at number eight. I have Jake Eater. Um, without the injury, he probably would have been higher. But, man, I mean, you can't deny what, what this guy did uh, straight to double A. Like, I, I kind of expected it from Meyer, but when, when that opening day roster came out, I was like, really? They really think Eater's ready for double A baseball? And – he answered every question and more with what he did because, man, he was incredible. I mean, that slider is ridiculous. I think that's – for me, that's probably the best pitch in, your, pitch in the organization, that Jake Eater slider. It's that good. It's v- insane. Like, just watching him throw that pitch at will, inside the zone, outside the zone, doesn't matter where it's going, doesn't matter if he misses a spot, he can get a whiff. Insane pitch. Um, then he's got the fastball on top of it, a little bit of a third pitch behind that. So – I really, really like Jake Eater. Um, it sucks with the injury. Um, he's going to be back, likely 2023, and and I think I, I don't think it's going to derail him one bit. I think Jake Eater is frontline starter, 100%. Um, really, really excited for that kid. So uh, I'll go to Ian next. Go ahead. And Jake Eater is my number eight, number eight as well. Um, double down on what all you guys said. I think it, the slider was probably the best pitch in the system last year. The metrics agree with what that says. Um, it was probably 70 grade across the board, literally everything. It had a 46% whiff rate last year, which is insane. Um, he ran, it's probably, it's needs, it needs to be thrown a little bit harder to be a double plus pitch going forward, but right now it's a plus pitch. And um, with what he has with the changeup and the fastball as well from the left side and the funk that he has, there's a lot of, of Trevor Rogers funk and that's not the same delivery, but there's a ton of funk that he offers from that from that delivery. And it's a really sturdy frame. I know he's going through Tommy John, but when he comes back, I think there's a lot of starter upside with Eater. 
and he's got some life on his arm now after Tom John and, and being a reliever for so many years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Spencer, go ahead. Number eight, who you got? I got Peyton Burdick. Um, you know, he's all extremes. The, the power and the speed really stand out right away. The arm strength. The hit tool is a little bit uh, lagging behind the rest of the package. I don't think he's going to hit for a high average, but I feel confident to, a you know, as confident as one can be that'll hit for enough average to support his tools. I think, you know, he can be a regular in a corner outfield spot. There's obviously, you know, some risk that he doesn't quite make enough contact, but that's where I have him projected. Uh, he's an imperfect player, but I think um, he's just so explosive that there's enough there for him to return the kind of value that you're looking for. Yeah. And as we go on, uh, that's our number eight. Uh, as we go on to number nine, um, I can just reciprocate. And I have Burdick at number nine. Um, this guy is physical to the extreme. Like you're not going to find another, a more physical player than Peyton Burdick, um, you know, both on both sides of the ball. I mean, this guy is ridiculously explosive. The swing is great. Awesome muscle behind it. He's not the biggest, tallest dude in the world, but man, he's putting every bit of his frame behind his swings and behind everything he does in the field. I think he's really good. I love that he has uh, is gaining the ability to play center field. I think that's that's really good. It does a lot for his versatility. We know the Marlins love players with the positional flexibility, and Burdick is gaining that and already has that. He can play both corners, and now he can play center field as well. Um, I think he will eventually stick as a ridiculously great power-hitting left fielder if everything pans out for him. Um, the thing that you love about him is just his selectiveness. The thing that you don't like is I think because of that physicality, he will cause himself to miss the, miss the bat a little bit or get the weak part of the bat and just, uh, limit the average. I think that's kind of what we saw, uh, in 2021 with him is when he connected, it was flying, but when he wasn't really connecting with the greater part of the bat, it was weak contact. So I think that's the one thing that he needs to figure out is, is hitting for a better average. But even if he's a 250 hitter with you know, 20 plus home runs a year with, with decent defense in the corners, maybe center field. That's really good. I, I love Burdick. I think he's a good athlete and I think he's going to be a, a good major league baseball player. Um, Burdick is actually my number nine. So yeah, I think you guys hit on, again, hit on a bunch of points. Burdick. Um, it, like you mentioned with the swing, it's very, it's a ton of violence in a swing. There's a lot of moving parts. So it's where his swing and miss comes in. The, the contact is, is still there. Um, the power, the power input our output is, is ridiculous. I don't think anybody hits the ball harder in the system. When he was in college, nobody hit it harder in college besides Andrew Vaughn and the entire in, entire D1 and his last two years in college. So I think Burdick has that power input. Um, being an, an everyday big league outfielder is still a stretch for me. Uh, it's hard for me to say because Burdick is my guy. I've been my guy since he came in the system. But if he doesn't hit for average, then it's going to be tough to get him in there every day as a, as a big league outfielder. But I think he's going to carve himself out a fourth outfielder role at the very, very least. Yeah, agreed. That's that's the floor, I think, is, is fourth outfielder, but I think he could be a starter if he figures those things out. Uh, Danny, go ahead. Uh, number nine. I'm the low guy on Salas. Wow. Uh, I, yeah, how could man. you? All right. I, how could I? I mean, we can see the pattern here, right? Um, I'm a, I'm a show-me-what-you-can-do type of guy before uh, tools. Um that's I would say that's that's how, how how I normally work, so that's why I put a guy like Burdick, who's way up there in age, five six years older than than uh, than than Salas before him. But I mean, I know exactly what Salas can be and, and what he's projected more risk. But 
man, um, I love that kit too. Spencer, go ahead. Number nine, uh, Danny, you, you hurt me to the, to the core on that one. Anyways, go ahead. All right. I, I get the honor of naming another player for the first time tonight. I went with Dax Fulton at number nine. Um, really big fan of just pictures of his style in the draft. He was a guy that I sort of naturally gravitated towards. You know, he's got the big, long frame. He's got a great hook. Um, and then, you know, to come out and have the debut that he did after such a long layoff, after undergoing surgery, uh, took him a little bit of time to kind of get up to speed, but really performed well through the middle of the season and down the stretch. Uh, I think he showed quite advanced command for somebody um, with his background. I, I like the top two pitches. I think, you know, the rest of the package is going to keep developing. And I think he's got a real good shot to become a mid-rotation arm. Good pick. And Spencer is the guy that's bringing out the, uh, the names first here, but another good name and another, another good pick. Uh, we can talk about him a little bit when we get to him, but uh, up to single A advanced when I don't think he was pitching the greatest in Jupiter and the numbers kind of prove that, but the Marlins challenged him. And um, I think he'll be back there in, in 2022 and we'll see what he does there. So uh, yeah, another good name. Um, we can go on to uh, number 10 and we can go to, uh, let's go to Ian first. Go ahead, Ian. Number 10, we're going right back at Fulton. Um, I think that's a guy who's got a plus, a plus curve ball, uh, a 6'7", freakishly imposing frame on the mound. Uh, he needs to get into his lower half a little bit better to really maximize the velo he can create. But there's just a ton to like there, man. Uh, he's got three pitches. He's 18 years old. I believe he's 19 years old now. Uh, he was missed barrels last year in low A and when he moved to, to, to low A. Uh, I saw him, I believe, one or two starts last year and – was impressed with both outings that I saw from him. He's, it's, it's really easy on the mound for him. I know he's coming off Tommy John, but I think the polish that he's shown coming off that as a pro, not even at the, at the, at the amateur level, was really impressive. And I think he's a guy who could still move up higher on this pretty stacked top 10 Marlins system. But I think there's some variance there. So I think Dax is a guy who I think could move up the, with a big year in 2022. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Dax definitely is within the realm of this conversation. And as we've said, like, this is where we're going to have our differences, right? Um, I guess I can bring up the next guy at my number 10 and bring up another name, I guess, secondary dispenser who's been bringing up the, uh, <laughs> the names first and foremost. I got Joe Mack, uh, Joe Mack at 10 overall, lefty hitter, just turned 19, you know, supreme athlete in high school. He was playing volleyball. He's playing baseball juggling that going back and forth, which DJ Svalik said he was very impressed with that gap power, I think is his, his best strength. Um, probably not as far as right now, a lot of home run power. Maybe he can build on that, but tools, tools galore, man. He's got hit. And then the catcher at the catcher position, just great defensive tools. Um, no question in my mind and no question in the Marlins mind. I don't think that this guy can stick as a catcher. Um, definitely, I think the best catching prospect in the organization. Um, I mean, that's not saying a lot because the Marlins don't have a ton, but, uh, definitely the best catching prospect in the organization and one of the best in that 2021 draft. So I like Joe Mack. Um, we didn't see him a lot in the FCL, but I, I think that, you know, if he comes in maybe FCL next year, maybe he's a starter in Jupiter, I guess there's maybe some conversation to be had there. I think he could start in Jupiter and be just the, the catcher, the cat, the catcher in Jupiter, because they had so many, they have like a revolving door at catcher in 2021. So I, I think Joe Mack could move up to Jupiter in 2021, be the starting catcher and really get his lugs under him and, and prove what he can do. But I like Joe Mack. I think he's going to be really good. Um, and definitely the best catcher in the organization with a ton of time to really prove it. So I like Joe Mack. 
Danny, go ahead. Number 10. My number 10 is Dax. Um, my, one of my favorite, uh, days, uh, when is, is when Ian writes to me, Hey, I'm going to a game. And he went to a Dax. The first time he went to a Dax, um, <laughs> start, he wrote to me just like inning number two, Dax Fulton's curveball is bonkers. <laughs> that is all I needed. Like he had his, you know, he had his, um, his, his, his gun. He had his, his meter. He had everything. He told me that curveball is just crazy. It's bonkers. And that's it. That's all I needed to know. Uh, he, he's my number 10. <laughs> Yeah, my 10's J.J. Bleday. Uh, I didn't have him too separated from, you know, like the last couple of position players that I ranked. Um, in the end, 2021 for me just really reduced my confidence in the hit tool uh, more than a down year typically does, mostly just because I was so confident in it coming into the year. I, I kind of noticed some new things about the swing that I didn't love. Um, and even like looking at the AFL video, that stuff is still present. So I'm, I'm now more of an average hit tool with him, whereas before I was kind of in the above average or better range. And that to me just has him more in this range than where I had him before. I still love the command of the strike zone. Um, I definitely think there's still, you know, good power there. I think there's a role for him in the big leagues. It's just not quite at as high of a level as I would have projected a year ago. Respectable. Definitely. I'm worried. I mean, definitely, I'm worried. I'm he's got a lot you, to prove. For sure, <laughs> for sure. I mean, this, this season, I think Spencer. is an ultimate for, for JJ. Mm -hmm. I think this is a huge year coming out for blood day. Um, if he has another year, like, like last year with the bat, I don't, I don't know if he'll be in this top 15 conversation, but um, going forward, but uh, I, I, I think he can figure it out, which is why I have him as high as I do. And I think um, Ian and, and Danny are, are on board with that, but uh, yeah, like you said, I don't blame you at all for, for being low right now on the hit tool because um, it left something to be desired for sure. Patience was there, just the hit tool. It was just the bat to ball, right? That was, that was, and that was like his, what he was known for in college was about to ball and it just did not yeah, show up. He just seemed a little imprecise with the bat to me. Like uh, his swing decisions are still great. Um, and like when, when he does make good contact, you don't have to worry about the quality of contact. It's just that, yeah, it, it's just the, 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 there's, there's some stuff going on at the beginning of his swing that is, it just weirds me out a little bit. And when you couple that with the results, I'm just a little uneasy. Yeah. Don't blame me. Uh, 2020, uh, 2022, big year for JJ. Let's go on. Uh, 11, Ian, go ahead. 11 will be Joe Mack for me. Um, you touched on a lot of the points. I think he's an above average defensive catcher. He shows quality pop. Uh, a huge arm behind the late. Um, I think it was top of the class last year coming down the draft. Um, he shows some impressive bat speed from the left side as well. Uh, I haven't seen him hit a ton. He was a North uh, New York kid, so I didn't get a chance to see him a ton during his amateur cycle. But uh, he's a guy who, perfect game All-American, uh, can really feel the position, really advanced behind the plate. Um, he loves he loves to play catcher. Like, that was a huge thing for him. Like, he wants to be a catcher. And, like, you hear that a lot of, a lot of, with a lot of these guys, like, when they're coming, out, coming up as a prep catcher. But I think he's a guy who really can stick. Um, he's not he's not Will Banfield coming out. Will Banfield was an extremely defensive catcher. I think there's way more potential with Joe Max back coming out. And I think he's somebody that we can project as an above average hitter to, to go along with the, his defensive prowess. That's something that I didn't say um, just to hit on, on Mac. Like New York is not the baseball capital of the world. 
right? Like, they especially the, they don't get to play. They they just they get no time to play up there. Yeah, man. They're, they, exactly. like, his draft cycle, especially the cold weather kids, got no exposure. Like they're really big right. at all. So he was a guy who who probably could have went higher. He was the best right. the best player in the state. Um, so. I think he's a guy who really just yeah. fell to the COVID, to the COVID, and just being cold weather kid, you know. So yeah, I think to make it out of high school, could get in the system. Yeah, to make it out of high school from New York, you got to say something about that, especially as high as he went. So yeah, Mac is. I think he's going to be really Clemson, good. And Clemson committed as well, so he was going right. Took away from Clemson, right? Like <laughs> exactly right. Uh, all right, yeah, definitely agreed on that one. So that's number eleven for Ian. Um, Daniel, go ahead, eleven. It's Joe Mack as well. Um, you guys already hit on the tools, uh, but I want to hit on the, the mentality. You know, he's he's the type of player who, you know, <clears throat> the way he talks about catcher and about being a leader, as Ian mentioned a bit, you just know he plays volleyball. You know, he's the setter. Right. He plays um, he plays soccer. You know, he's the number 10 guy. He plays football. You know, he's a quarterback. Um, that's a guy who wants to be uh, the, the most important person on the field. And that mentality um, just obviously coupled with his tools, I think that's, that's what you really want to see in, in, a, in a prospect. Um, Joe Mack, number 11. And Spencer, all you well, guys, I think we're pretty similar through, through 11 yeah. right here. I mean, we yeah, we're close. We're, like, we're uh, right there. Like my, my, my surprise is the top. Like Spencer's got Khalil and you got Yuri. Yeah, all, and you we, get... Everybody had a different one. So that yeah, was cool. like that was, yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> I was not expecting Khalil number one for sure. But man, that, that that's why we're here, right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Spencer, all you at 11. I like it. I like it, man. I think Khalil's got the most upside with the bat that you're going to find in the system. So, I mean, yeah, like, no. it's, it's, it's true. You got you to yeah. make it happen, you know? Like, if you believe that, and I just need to see it more in person. So, that's all sure. I really want. Wait, exactly. see, you know? Like, that's yeah. that's a big thing for me. That's just, it's just seeing people in person. So, that was a huge I, I mean, but, Like, if I okay. would have seen Yuri, it would have been hard for me to rank Yuri. Right. I was going to ask you, like, six if you times, had a- you know? So, it's like, this is my guy. Like, I cannot vary on this. And I'm, when I saw him the first time, like I had, I got pushed back on a lot of my higher ups on different, on different um, subjects on this. I know we're jumping back here, but I was like, this is a 60 grade pitcher right now. Like it's, it's a middle rotation upside. And everybody's like, you're bullshit. Like he's 18 years old. And I'm like, all right, man, like whatever. I am excited to see what And I don't ever do that with prospects. Like it's like, I don't have that confidence with guys because there's just so much variance. So like, and there's still a ton of variance. He's 18, but like, yeah, I mean, like for me, was, got, you got to be in it. You got to be confident on these guys. You got to have conviction. If you think these guys are what you think, you got to have conviction. I love I'm excited it. to see what happens when you see Khalil in person for the first time next year because you're going to be like, I mean, I've seen him in person, <laughs> you know. So like, it's just seen him at the pro level. Like, if you look yeah. at his stats when he did it at the pro level, then like, right, that's like, what I mean. Yeah. But like, seeing him face pro pitching at at low A is going to be tough. He's going to be seeing college D1 college arms, you know, at 18, 19 years old. So he's going to be better be ready. And I think. He's the guy to do it, and um, I think it's going to be fun. I know we're going way back on our, our list here, but it's fun talking to you. <laughs> no, it's a good conversation. Two 18-year-olds are really just – I mean, you can add Salas to that list too. So you got three 18-year-olds that really are the, the future of this system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I definitely have a tendency. Daniel, you were talking about, you know, valuing the guys who are closer to the majors, who have the track record, mm-hmm. um, the guys who have shown you what they can do. Like, I definitely noticed myself gravitating maybe a bit more than I should – towards uh, the newer guys because when guys yeah, show you what they because that's the upside you know yeah yeah exactly 
when guys you show you what they them. when guys show you what they can do, they also show you what they can't do. You look, you give me Khalil Watson, True. he could True. be anything. Um, so <laughs> that's that, you know, <laughs> I have to, any, he could be anything. You know, it's just like there's just so much upside. It's just so fun now. Yeah. That's I mean, it's a big problem for me too. Now being so heavily involved on the amateur side of things is like these 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 um double a and triple a guys like max you know max is a is a one one guy i mean like a, a top guy in in half the systems in the country you know but i can't do it right now because i just am so involved on the upside and what these kids can be and then yeah. i'm just seeing the projectability with these kids that's just like all right i can see it the projections there it's coming you know max he's pretty close to being maxed out you know like that kid is not maxed out by any means same thing with edward you know edward's pretty close to being maxed out his pitches are pretty maxed out he can miss barrels and he can he can work his work his pitch mix better but he's pretty close to being maxed out at 23 years old 18 years old man what can you do with that 18 years old but he was and you can multiply that you can yeah you can multiply that audi stuff by the fact that he's with the Marlins and the development that exactly. the Marlins I mean, do. I mean, even even on the prep side of things, he was younger than almost every prep pitcher drafted in this draft class, you know? And he mm -hmm. already pitched a whole year in the minors <laughs> and dominated, yeah. like dominated, a dominant year in the minors. So, like, yeah. just hard to look at that and be like, just not, not say that's the number one guy in the system. It's hard. It's hard to not to do that. For me, at least. For me. And it was an <laughs> argument I've done with since – what was it April? I've been dealing with yeah. this yeah. April with Yuri, so it's like I've been going back and forth. And it's just, I think I think you were one of the first to really call it out, you know, other than Daniel, who's been on in on him since the start. Well, like, nobody's seen him. Nobody saw him. Yeah, like he pitched I know. In Jupiter, and there was like seventeen people in the stands every night when he pitched. Right. So like nobody saw this kid. Like <laughs> right. even besides the scouts in the Marlins system, I don't think there was probably fifty scouts that saw Yuri pitch last year. It was just nobody came out and saw him. So right. Honestly, if anything, I'll be back from ranking one. It might just be Forrest Whitley PTSD. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's tough too because Forrest Whitley just pulled a rug over you for years, you know. And you just he was angry. he was the one, man. He was the one. <laughs> the thing, the thing, and this is my last thing on Yuri. I know we're going long on this, and so we're off topic. But <laughs> my last thing is that I need to see him work deeper into games. I know he was innings limited last year, right? But I want to see that stuff. And we saw it in person, Ian, right, when he pitched his opening day start. I I thought in that start, at least, um, that the velo kind of fell off a little bit deeper into the start, you know, when he was going into his, I think, his so third That, that kind of went away as he got stronger throughout the Yeah, year. but you're right. Like, I was just going to say, when he, seven, when he started. He bumping sevens in the fifth inning. He's being game, built up. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so so he's being built up, right? So I want to see him yeah. take that next step and be built up to be that six, seven inning guy is what I really want. But anyways, we're, we're going backwards. Um, <laughs> Spencer, I was 12, on you. We're on 12, not top five. Yeah, so. I was on yeah. 11 with Spencer, actually. So go ahead. Go ahead. It's <laughs> a... Uh, it's a clean sweep for Joe Mack. I had him at 11. Um, I really, I thought about putting him a couple spots higher, but I've just been, I've had my heart broken by too many prep catchers. So this was kind of, this was kind of the ceiling, kind of the ceiling for Mack. Um, I, I agree with what you guys have said. I also find myself maybe even a little bit more optimistic on the power projection with him. I think, you know, there's, there's outcomes where he's a 20 homer guy. So uh, definitely, I see, you know, primary catcher in the majors upside with him. Just it's a long road for an 18 year old catcher. And that's really the only concerns that I have. Yep. Good pick. You guys are all aligned on Mac. Um, for my 11, I had Mac at 10. I have uh, Dax Fulton at number 11. Uh, you guys have already talked about it. Um, limited velocity. I think he was only up to like 93. But that curveball is a hammer, hammer curveball, ridiculous curveball. 
I think that's definitely his best pitch. And then he's got another pitch behind it. Good size. Um, I, I said it before, he got that challenge um, when he wasn't really pitching great in, in a pitcher's environment in Jupiter. And, you know, he handled it uh, and did what he did. Um, also innings limited, as I said, like, like Yuri. So, um, you know, he's probably going to be full-time there again next year and we'll see how he does. But uh, a lot of tools. Um, I really, really think that that curveball is, is, is that good. Um, I think he needs to work on the control and command. Um, that's like why I said, you know, I was surprised to really see him get that challenge, you know, at, at age, what, 19 struggling in Jupiter, he got that challenge, but you know, this Marlin system showed it with, with Yuri, they did it again with, with Dax and, and, and they're willing to push these kids and let Go. them show, let them show it. So yeah, going into Dax's, uh, promotion, now he was balling out, um, his last like three or four starts. If I could, if I could remember correctly, I have to pull it up real quick, but I believe he was tearing it up before he got promoted. Um. Dax is one of those guys that just was, was such a slow starter, but then really came on towards the end of the year. Let me see if I can pull this up. But and that's the thing, like mention this, but I just if I remember if I'm remembering correctly, this year has been such a blur. So I'm just trying to get get my my head right here. But um, yeah, I I think you're right. You know, I, I think he he did way better than what his start was. You know, and of course it's innings yeah, limited, yeah. so the, the numbers are going to be skewed, right? So like I said, I I don't know. It's it's that question is he's building his confidence in Jupiter. Do you really want to push him right now? You know what I mean? And the Marlins said, yes, we want to push him right now. And they dominated, dominated Jason Dominguez. And they're like, all right, bro, we're sending you up. (laughs) I guess so. That was was a fun outing. And then that was it. You showed enough, you know, right. I guess back back to back five inning uh, shutout performances with 10 K's and then eight K's. So like he performed right before he was called up. But again, his, his full year in Jupiter, this is all completely off topic. This was up and down, but he's a guy. He's a guy for me. Yeah, like I said, I was I was Sorry. I was surprised to Sorry. see the challenge, but when he got it, I mean, I thought he handled it, you know, okay. It was only what like twenty innings or something like that with with Beloit, so not much, you know, right under twenty innings, I think. But yeah, like you said, I mean, innings limited. You have to kind of weigh the good with the bad, and the start was not good. But then when he got called up, he was doing well. I just thought personally you know, let him continue building that confidence. And then maybe late in the year, you call him up. But when he got called up, I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> it was just kind of, kind of, kind of an odd time for his promotion, but Hey, you know, why not? I guess he's 19 years old. Just let him learn. I guess that was the, 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 uh, the consensus on that one. All right. So that's 11. We're going to do three more and we'll cut it. Um, and then we'll invite these guys back if they're willing for part two, where I think part two is going to be the most fun for me because we're going to get into these deeper down guys. But anyways, uh, I'll go on. Uh, number 12. Pass me the ball. Pass me the ball. Danny, go ahead. You want it. Go ahead. <laughs> I want I want to say a new name. New names? New Cuban names? sensation, man. Cuban sensation, oh. Victor yeah, Mesa right. Jr. Yes. Oh. I like it. I like it. That's, that's my number 12 guy. This is a guy who can murder the ball. He just kills that ball. You saw his exit velos the whole season. Bat to ball skills, really good. Um, he can field, and uh, he doesn't strike out. I mean, that's that's pretty much all I need to see in the lower levels. Now he'll mature and grow into more power. Uh, you know, just that, that make that body um, just bigger. And and really excited about Victor Mesa Jr. and what he's going to show next year. I, I, I love that pick, man. I really I like do it. like that pick. Mesa was a guy when I was doing mine, he just kept sliding up little by little. Like the closer I got to Dunn, he just kept, I kept pushing him up. 
He was another guy I saw a bunch last year. And like you said, he does not strike out. Like the bat to ball was a, a lot more impressive than I than I ever could have imagined. Um, yeah, he doesn't hit the ball. He doesn't uh, get much lift on the ball. It's a really line drive near the near approach, but that's 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 fixable. Um, he hits the ball extremely hard. He creates a ton of bat speed. He runs really well, a lot better than you think he runs well. Um, he's probably a left fielder long term. He's not a center fielder, but man, I really love that 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 spot for, for Victor. I think he's a, I mean he's my thir- he's my number thirteen. So, I mean he's right there for me. I'll stick with you, Ian. Go ahead. So you have you have Victor you have Victor Mason Jr. at number thirteen. Who's who's number twelve? 12 we're gonna drop a new name here um guy i'm very high on um we share share a first name but uh it's, it's bahamian sensation ian lewis um i think he's a guy yes. uh, i think there's a ton of bad speed there i think he's got he's got barrel control um he, he feels the ball extremely well he has great hands um what we've seen on him defensively just i mean just what he did in the fcl what we've seen online just it's a lot of he, it's a lot of projection with him, like we've mentioned with all these 18-year-olds. And with him, the amount of muscle that Ian Lewis has put on since he signed is ridiculous. Like, I have pictures, like, when I was with, with Wings and Mishes, um, we were, like, one of the first people to have him signing with Miami. But this is a scrawny 16-year-old kid, and this kid is bulky now. Like, he's fully filled out, like, and he's still got more room for projection. And he's probably a second baseman long-term. He's, he's not a shortstop, but the back can play. Is, like I said, there's a ton of bad speed, barrel control. There's impact power there coming from the bat. He hit 300 in the FCL. That's barely 18 years old. Again, FCL play, it's really tough to judge because you don't know what you're going to get pitching-wise. But um, he's a guy I really, really, really like. Yep. Another good pick. I love Ian Lewis. Uh, Spencer, go ahead. Uh, this is your number 12. Ian Lewis, um, I couldn't I couldn't pass on the upside. The first time I saw a video of him swinging a bat, I was like, I made a noise. I was, it was just like one of those guys who immediately, it's like, you can tell there's something different there. Uh, Ian hit on all the big points, the bat speed, uh, to go with the barrel control, uh, up the middle fit. I think he's got every opportunity to be an everyday player. It's just the long developmental road. That's really the only knock. Yep. Um, he, so he's a switch hitter too. So that's another, another bat you can put up the middle with the switch hitting tool on um, him with the Salas as well. It's just a ton of upside with these bats. I mean, at 18 years old, they're showing stuff that you just want to see at 18 years old. Yep. Agreed. Great pick. Um, I, I, I guess it's up to me to either go with one of those names or go with somebody else, but I'm going to go with Danny. I'm going to go with Victor Mesa jr. Um, Victor Mason Jr., I, I really, really like this guy, you know, thought of as the throw into Victor Victor and, you know, shows up what this kid did. And I'm sure, Ian, you were there for some of this. Um, I, I really thought when he first got here that he kind of let the lights in him a little hard. He was walking around like like he was big man on campus, kind of let the lights hit him a little hard. I, I really I really think he matured. Uh, over the course of 2021, maybe over the yeah, course was, of that 2020. That was not there this year at all. He was like the clubhouse leader from what I saw. Like, yeah. As much as I was in it was just a different guy uh, yeah. walking around. You could just tell there was just somebody who just wanted to be a, a ball player. Um, right. I honestly think like not being around his brother full time, like mm-hmm. in, in spring training and all time and around that was good for him. Like he was yeah. around a bunch of kids his age. Um, he was just around kids that wanted to be good. Like he seems, there seems to be a great connection with a lot of those guys in Jupiter, Nassim Nunez and and, and uh, Victor have a great connection. There's a few other guys that just seem to really have a bond and it's really worked well for him. And it's really given the opportunity to grow up and be a player in the system. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what I was going to say that, you know, maybe the time away from, from no knock on Victor Victor, but maybe the time away from older brother was, was a plus for him because he makes his own identity, you know, he gets to be his own person. He gets to make his own image as a player. I think that really helped him. Um, I will say the same thing that you said, Ian uh, and Daniel, I believe as well said this, that, you know, not much lift to the swing. Um, the bat speed is incredible. Uh, I think he comes by power pretty, pretty naturally. And he did get some balls out in, in, in Jupiter, which in the old Florida State League, which is not easy to do. But man, I, I really think that if this guy can create lift to the swing, continue to grow into the body, that, that he is very good. I think he can stick in center field. Um, I think it's four out of five tools, at least, you know, I, I really think he's, he's going to be a quality player. Keep getting into the gym with Miggy. You know, I really loved that when Miggy was taking him into the gym and, and showing him the way in the offseason. It was really cool. The better signing of that of that uh, that big deal. Jupiter Jr. with a 40% hard hit rate last year in Jupiter as a 19-year-old. Pretty impressive year for him. Like it was it was pretty good. That's a that's a good stat to look at. Yeah, it really he is. really just hit the ball hard, man. He really hit the ball hard. Yeah, definitely. I mean, every, we saw those exit velocities, you know, Ian on on the uh on the research tool. Like every time he hit the ball, even if it was a ground out, it was over 100 miles an hour, which is just you can't look at that and say that that's nothing because you know, when you're hitting the barrel, that's good things usually happen. So uh, 13, we're going to do these last two guys. We're going to get out on this episode and then we'll uh, we'll be back for the, the back end. But uh, number 13, we'll go to Danny. Go ahead. Number 13. Uh, it's Ian, Ian Lewis. Um, he is my number 13. Very impressed by his season. Um, I was expecting quick guy, quick twitch, you know, little good fielder, all that stuff. Everybody said he was a good hitter. No one talked about his power. <laughs> that guy had a 300, 400, 500 line, you know, I mean, completely out of nowhere for me. And um, he's not just some, uh, you know, random 30,000 signing out of, you know, the international um you know, international amateur. No, this guy costs a million bucks. You know, this guy has a pedigree. So, I mean, yeah, really excited about that kid. Um, he's my number 13. I like that. He yeah. is my guy, man. I really think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, he's a dude. I mean, I can't wait. I keep man. talking about it. I can't wait for that all Bahamian infield with Jazz and, <laughs> and him. Like that's 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 like the stuff of like storybook right there, right? They're best friends growing up and get to play in the There's same no infield. Team. Like that's awesome. Khalil has something to say. Maybe, <laughs> well, maybe by the, by the time that happens, maybe uh, we'll see, we'll see what positioning happens with that. Uh, Spencer, thirteen, go. Another new name, number thirteen. I had Giddy Cape. Um, I think nice. he kind of fits into that same sort of category with uh, Lewis, where we have to do a lot of projecting right now, but there's a heck of a lot to project on. Um, he's a guy who, like, obviously we knew he was signing with the Marlins like long before it actually ended up happening. Then we have the COVID stuff, so it took took a while for him to actually get out there. But now that he did this past year, uh, he seems to have handled himself quite well. Um, his, you know, his contact, like strikeout walk numbers were nice uh, in his debut. Obviously, you look at his frame, you, you know he's going to grow a lot. We don't, it's definitely kind of a funky physique. It's hard to say exactly what he's going to look like at maturity. 
you know, how much power is going to be there? How much of his uh, mobility is he going to retain? I, I think he moves really, really well. Uh, like he's got those big, long limbs, but he never seems out of sync. He's got a ton of fluidity. I like what I've seen from his swing so far. He, you know, he seems to be well-coordinated in that regard. Um, I don't know exactly where, like I have his upside pinned at this point, but I don't see any part of his game where like he's seriously deficient. And you just talk about the, the size and athleticism based upside there. I, I think there's a lot. So it was hard for me to put him too much lower than this because I see him as, uh, he was basically the lowest ranked guy um, out of the group of position players who I saw as potential regulars, um, just because of how far away he is. Definitely agree with that. Solid pick. Yeah, great pick. Uh, good name as well. Uh, really love Capé. Um, just got to see him. Right? <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess that's it. We just got to see him play, right? <laughs> but yeah, lots of projection. Uh, Spencer with another another first name thrown out by Spencer and another great pick. Like I said, a ton of projection. Uh, I'll give you my 13, and this name has already been said. Uh, Ian Lewis. Uh, I got to give it to Ian. Um, like you guys have said, tons of tools. The thing I love about this guy is that, you know, when you're looking at FCL box scores, as I'm sure we all were day after day after day, you know, he's two years under his league average competition and he was hitting what 302 or over 300. I think it was 301, 302 and in regular action. Like, even though that's FCL and you're playing against guys just breaking into the league, this is one of the younger guys, you know, you can couple him in kind of to a lesser extent, I would say with Yuri as a guy who's pitching or playing well below his league average competition and just proving it immediately. So I, I love Ian Lewis. I, I really, really think that this, you know, switch hitting prospect, you know, very, very, very small. I, I don't think he's ever going to be the biggest guy in the world. Don't think he's going to come by like the most power in the world. I don't think that's his game, but I think he's an on-base machine that can play good defense and hit from both sides of the plate. So I like Ian. Um, I like, I like his simplicity at the plate. You know, it's, it's a straight through cut from what I've seen uh, and, and good bat speed and built for a good average. So I, I think Ian Lewis along with jazz is, is a, a Marlins future infield to really look at and, and salivate at. Cause I think both of these guys are fantastic Bahamian bred players. So I like Ian at 13. All right. Second to last one, 14. Uh, Ian, go ahead. I got a new name to drop here at 14, but uh, I have Zach McCampbell here at number 14 for me. Um, that's my guy. He really came out this year and threw a ton of strikes. Uh, the curveball showed up to be a plus pitch. Um, he could have missed some more barrels overall, but the curveball, again, really looked like it was – Revelation for him. Uh, it was a 45, 47% whip rate. He threw it for strikes anywhere he wanted in the zone. He got a ton of depth. Uh, he threw strikes with all three of his pitches. He flashed six pitches throughout the year last year. He showed a cutter, a slider, a changeup, curveball, and fastball. But I think McCampbell is a guy who can fit as a back end rotation piece with ease. You know, he's got the got the upside. He's got the body. He's got easy. He's got an easy delivery. He's got a bunch of funk, and he's got the stuff. So I think McCampbell is a guy who can fit in this middle middle of the back end role for the Marlins who they've really found for the last couple of years with the Niders and the Foteats and things like that. And I think he's a guy who can really just slot it in maybe less than two years on a big league rotation. Yep. Another good name. Another good pick. Uh, we'll see where he lands on the rest of our list, but uh, Danny, go ahead. 14. Before I say mine, Ian, who, who was your number 13? 
Victor Mesa Jr. Yes, sir. VM Jr. Yeah, I just didn't talk about him because we all hit him on him so much. So of course, just, like, of course. Yeah. Slid by. All right, my number fourteen is also McCambly. Man, I think Ian's list and mine is really uh, similar. With with uh, McCambly, we saw two like let's two separate seasons, um, and it was high A and double A. You know, at high A, this kid like except like with the exception of his last start or last two starts, this kid was incredible. Um, he had. 12.17 K to walk ratio. That is nuts. That's uh, at some point, like deep within the season, this is like eight starts, nine, 10 starts in. He had like 17 and the next one had the next player had like an eight or seven K uh, strikeout to walks. Um, so, you know, he had just an amazing season at high A, but when he was challenged with double A, he did struggle a bit. Um, that K per walk that was 12.17 at high A went down to 2.35. And the biggest reason for that was the walks. He started walking. Um, and and it obviously, whip went up. Also, the uh, he gave, actually at both levels, a lot of home runs. Even when he was going well, he was getting, you know, two, three home runs per game. And that'll kill you, of course. And that'll murder your FIP. Uh, his FIP for the season was, I believe, over five, and that's the reason why. Um, but tools are there. Um, the tools are there. That breaking ball is crazy. Um, that fastball, at some points, it was between 93, 94, 95, and other games, it was 90, 92. Um, so I want to see it live at more mids than, than, than low 90s. But um, I, I do have a lot of faith in this kid. Yeah, um, I have the same guy. I have I have McCambly at, at 14. Um, you know, it's kind of it was kind of interesting, you know, his timeline in, in 20 in 2021, I should say, um, you know, his the circumstances of his call up um, to to double A. It's kind of called up like right when um, when Max and Eater went to the um, to the Futures game. Right. And I'm thinking, all right, it's going to be like, you know, a couple starts, maybe one start, maybe two, and he's going to go back. But no, they let him like basically live it out right at the double A level, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, obviously a mixed bag there, but, you know, just the, the timing of his call up when he was coming off of probably one of his worst starts <laughs> and they gave him the call up to uh, to double A. Um, pretty interesting. Um, but uh, you know, like, like I said, the, this, this organization is clearly challenging kids. You know, we saw it with Yuri, you, you know, you saw it with, uh, with Dax, we talked about, and you see it here, uh, and, and they want to see what these guys can do and how they live up to a challenge. Um, the stats weren't there for, for McCambly at double a, but, um, like I said, uh, he gets his foot in the door there. That's where he's probably going to live out 2022. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be all year in double a, um, and like you guys have said, um, you know, he does, has allowed a lot of home runs. I think that is his biggest weakness um, is the command and control. I think prospects live Ian, you guys have his command and control at like a 35, right? So not great. Um, that, that needs to be improved. But that said, as Danny, as you said, um, you know, 50, 55, 60 grade curveball is probably his best, his best pitch. Definitely. Um, fastball is also decent. Um, I, Think it could use to tick up a little bit. I think it tops at 95. He usually sits up, sits at like 92, 93. 
Um, but man, that, that curveball can speak for itself. So like I said, it's another guy like, like Dax, right. Another guy that, that can, that can get it done with, with the secondary and, and live with a, a lesser velo fastball and mix in a third pitch. So I, I like Zach McCamley. Um, I think he has some questions to answer, which is why he's this low. Um, I think maybe, maybe, and we, we got to see if this still happens. Um, it's a name that's been brought up in trades. So I, I you know, I think it, it could be a, a good name as that middling guy. Cause it, it's, it's, it's kind of lower floor, but higher ceiling, I think for him. Right. Cause he has so many questions to answer with the control and command, but I like McCambly. I think he's definitely top 15. So I have him here at 14. Um, that's, that's me. Uh, Spencer, you're the last one here at 14. Go ahead. Uh, here I go projecting again at uh, 14. I went with Evan Fitterer. Um, uh, you stole it yeah, from me. You hey, stole I'm him. It. I'm yeah. with it. I am with it. Ian's I, boy. Uh, I was a, another guy who in his draft year, he was a guy who I was a little higher on. And then I really liked the pro debut. I was really excited for him coming into 2021. Obviously, didn't get to throw as many innings as we would have liked. But when he was out there, it was really strong results. Um, he's got feel for a uh, really good, really good feel for spin um, and already like a good understanding of how to play his secondaries off of his fastball, really athletic guy. I think that um, you look at the operation, the kind of athlete he is, I'm pretty comfortable projecting like pretty darn good command at maturity with him. Um, and that's really the separator for me. I think he's got good odds to start because of that. And that was why he sort of edged out these other arms in the middle of the list for me. He just needs to stay healthy, man. I mean, I love that kid. He just five, six pitches. I mean, I don't even know how many pitches he throws, but I love him. I just, he just needs to stay healthy. Like he couldn't even stay healthy. I think I didn't hear much about it, but AFL, they sent him over there because he needed the innings. But then after a start, he was gone. Um, so yeah, he just, uh, I just need to see him throw innings, but yeah, I love him. Right, so we're at our last player for this particular episode um, in our first half of this top 30. Uh, let's go back to Danny. Go ahead, number 15 to close out the episode for you and your top 15 Marlins prospect. <laughs> now that I know uh, Spencer's style, I have a guy who Spencer may not even rank at top 30. <laughs> He's very close. We know his strengths. We know his weaknesses. Uh, Jose Devers is my number 15 guy. <laughs> Look at Spencer's face. He made my list. Yes. <laughs> Jose Devers, man. Uh... I mean, uh, what can I say about him? Um, he has, he's a guy who's not going to give you uh, more than 15 home runs in a season, but I think his floor is very high. Um, he has a speed. He has a just incredible defense. He can hit. I did like the pop that I saw in the friggin' five games that he played in 2021, which is just an, just a big issue for him is, is staying healthy. Um, if he doesn't play any more games, I mean, more games in 2022, then that's it. But he is a guy who I see as a 100%, a major leaguer, which is not something we can say about too many of these prospects because of the risk. Um, as long as he's healthy, which I guess is a big if. Um, Devers is a guy I can count on to be on the 26-man roster um, pretty much every season. All right, so Jose Devers at 15 for Danny. Um, Spencer, go ahead, 15 to close out this uh, particular episode. 
this time I'm pretty chalky. I had McCambly at 15. Um, I like, you know, a lot of the stuff that you guys brought up about him. Obviously, the curveball is the, the headliner with his profile. I think that pitch lives up to the hype. Uh, got a lot of 70s when he was in college, and I don't think that that's at all, like, crazy or anything. Um, the fastball, you know, it's not superlative, but it plays just fine. I He shows other pitches past kind of the one-two punch. I'm not sure what exactly is going to rise to the top there. Um, I am a little bit worried that he's a reliever just because I think his command is like a hair behind of where I would, where I'd like it to be to like confidently project him as a starter. And then also the third pitch again is like a bit behind where I would like it to be, to be projecting him as a starter. But I don't think in either area, he's like seriously behind. Um, it's just, those are the areas where I'd like to see some improvement if, if that's what he's going to be long-term. But the flip side of that is that I think even if he is a reliever, he's a really good uh, relief prospect. So that kind of gives him the floor. Um, and I, I just couldn't drop many lower than 15 when I was finalizing everything. All right, Ian, close it out for your top 15. Go ahead. I'm going back to projection level. A guy Spencer mentioned earlier, but my number 15 is Edie Cafe as well. Um, I think he's the guy we just need to see him. Um, he can make his, his stateside debut in 2022. Uh, I don't know where he's really going to play. And probably the most stacked infield we have in any of the minor league levels uh, will be Jupiter next year. So getting him over and seeing him wherever he plays will be, will be exciting. But I think he's a guy we could see. Stay Jupiter, but hopefully in the FCL first. But um, I think Giddy's a guy who can grow into some plus power projection. He showed a, a pretty good uh, hit tool when he was in DCL or DSL this year. He showed a really good approach. Uh, he shows a, an eye for pitches. I think there's a guy that got to see him. Um, DSL guys are hard to rank, but when you look at projection and the upside, it's hard to not rank him below this. He's a, He's got some chance to be a big league regular at his highest level. Yeah, and I have the same guy at 15. I have Yiddy Capé. Um, everything that you guys both said, uh, Spencer and Ian, just got to see him. Just got to see him play. Um, I mean, he got paid what he did and, and was recruited the way that he was for a reason. Um, and I don't doubt Fernando Segregal, the outgoing uh, international scouting director, um, to make this choice. I mean, it's a 19-year-old kid. It's crazy to think that he's older <laughs> than Khalil or Jose Salas, but he is older. Uh, that, that's just a credit to the youth movement in this in this Marlins organization. I just think we need to see this guy play. Uh, I think it's there. Um, I think he had a, a really good showing uh, in the DSL. Obviously, we don't put a ton into those stats, but he did hit 270. Um, didn't really strike out a lot. 35 strikeouts versus 19 walks in his limited showing. Um, I think it's limited power, hit tool over power for sure for him. Um, but who knows what could happen when he grows, when he grows into his body, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a young kid. So let's see what he does. I'm, I'm excited to see him stateside. You know, I think that's definitely going to happen in minor league spring training uh, and then possibly, and I hope um, in, uh, in 2022, I hope he's here in Jupiter. So see what happens with him. That's going to be a crowded infield though. It's going to be interesting to see how they shake out um, those lower levels and in infielders because they have so many, <laughs> like they have so many middle infielders and, and shortstop second baseman. So It'll be interesting to see what they do. I think we will see some guys challenged, um, but I think I think Capé should should be able to make it stateside next year, hopefully. Um, and I think yeah. it could be quality. At that age, you know, everybody is a shortstop or a center fielder, right? Because that, yeah, that's guys what are they move. did in high school. Right, yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, after a year, development guys will know, oh, now this guy's a third baseman, this guy's a left fielder, et cetera. But they, at high school, they all play up the middle, right? Yep. 
exactly. All right. So I think that's going to do it for part one of our, what is now a two-part episode of our, of our, our top we were, three. We were way too optimistic going into this. Yeah, yeah that was like, not predictable <laughs> at all. Danny wasn't. Danny was like, we're going to go way over. I'm like, no, we can do it in an hour. No, not going to happen. We, we like to talk about this stuff way too much, all of us. Sure so I'll cut it here. Uh, it's getting late in the night here on, uh, on January 10th. We're at 10.45 p.m. So uh, these guys got to get up in the morning. So we're going to cut it here and we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it next time on on the, the part two of what is now a two-part episode, as I said, of episode 35 of Swimming Upstream. But for Spencer, uh, who, man, you brought up the names first. Like, you, I think I think as far as so far, you're like projectability. And, and me and Daniel, especially for me, I'm like, I got to see it first. Yeah, right? guilty, not, is, guilty is charged. <laughs> but that, that's that's great. That's And that's why I did this with, with four. That's why we did this with four guys rather than just have me and Danny banter about the same crap. Like we want to get different viewpoints on the show. And you guys definitely provided that, but you defended it very well. And we could see every single viewpoint that you made. And for Ian, man, uh, I think we're similar a lot. But I think the three of us are similar. I think all four of us are similar in yeah, a lot. I mean, of I think we're pretty similar. Well, yeah, let me give you the stat. Here. Yeah, let me give you the stat. You so we've only heard 18 names. Yeah, I mean, I mean right that means, I mean, yeah, we're I mean, all right kind of, there. Yeah, we've I mean, only heard that. 15 picks. We've only heard 18 names. Yeah, I, I'd say we're still pretty similar. I thought we were yeah. pretty close, but I thought we'd have some variants. And um, I think all our variants are pretty um, – I, yeah. I think I think the variance will come when we do part oh, yeah. two of this oh, yeah. in our back end. Yeah, which is to be expected. <laughs> but yeah, for the for the most part, we're in agreement, just maybe a little bit different rankings. I'll shake out the consensus too in the coming weeks, especially after we complete the second episode. We'll we'll shake out a consensus and see where each guy really ranks like at, on average. And that'll be really fun to do. But anyways, for this time, uh, this is episode one. We're gonna come back for episode two. So if you guys like this conversation. Uh, come back and join us again for what's going to be episode two of episode 35 of Swimming Upstream. That's coming to you guys soon with these two terrific gentlemen, Spencer uh, at Prospect Spencer on Twitter and Ian at FLA Smitty on Twitter. These guys do incredible work, Spencer, for two different SB Nation projects. Uh, Crawfish Boxes and Fish Stripes are wonderful friends there, as well as his own project, Diamond Dreams, which covers the MLB draft. And then, of course, Ian with Prospects Live, uh, fantastic uh, scout and talent evaluator. Pleasure to have you guys on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, so for Daniel, for Alex, myself, for Ian and Spencer, we, uh, we're glad to have you guys in for this conversation and we will see you guys next time for part two on Swimming Upstream.